food shortages. Have you thought about it lately? Of course you have. All these news stations are just barking food shortages at you. But what are we supposed to do about it? None of the news stations actually ever say anything about what can we do? How do we empower ourselves in the face of this onslaught of amygdala tantalizing news, specifically one that might affect your refrigerator, your family, your own belly? We haven't experienced food shortages in this country since the last fourth turning, the Great Depression. And most of those people are gone by now, not here to tell us the stories. So we just have this illusion that food is always secure for us, at least, maybe not other countries. But if you listen to Tucker Carlson here and our very own president, they're both saying food shortages. It's going to get real. Let's check it out. The first three things that any normal nation needs and thinks about obsessively are food, water, and energy. With regard to food shortage, yes, we did talk about food shortages. And, uh, and it's going to be real. And uh, because both uh, Russia and Ukraine have been the breadbasket of Europe in terms of wheat, for example. Just give one example. Food shortages, Biden said. Quote, they're going to be real. Once again, in case you missed it, to repeat, food shortages. Not in Sudan, in Cincinnati, in Reno, in Spokane, in Norfolk, and of course in our big cities, too, where not a single person who was born here has any idea what a food shortage is. Our problem has always been having too much food. Now we won't have enough. We know that because the president of the United States just told us that on camera. A food shortage is not like deciding to skip dessert. It's not a diet. It's not voluntary. A food shortage is different. It's scary. Food shortages topple governments. They turn moderates into revolutionaries. A food shortage is a big deal. You don't want one. So if you don't like Tucker Carlson, just go to your left-leaning or your centrist or your libertarian or your anarchist or your conspiracy outlet, and you're going to hear that everybody is also talking about food shortages as well. So why am I going to talk about it? How am I going to break this down differently from all the other people that are saying, food shortages, scary, what are we going to do? Let's not talk about that. Let's just talk about how real it is that food shortages are coming. I guess I understand. We can just mention it and say, well, and the rest is up to you. You're an adult, right? You're an adult. You should be able to figure out what, what to do in the face of food shortages. But what if nobody really actually knows what to do in the face of food shortages? That's why I came here to share a simple story with you. 2020, I did an ayahuasca ceremony. And this is just food for thought. It's just to help with uh, basically an emotional roller coaster that we might all go on soon. Mother Ayahuasca and I were sitting at a poker table for some reason in this vision. And she was just staring at me. So I eventually said, yes. And she said, I'm about to take everything away from a lot of people very soon. And I said, go on. And she just kept repeating that over and over and over again. I'm going to take everything away from a lot of people very soon. And so, you know, if we look at Mother Ayahuasca, this green beauty um, represents the intelligence of the earth. What if the earth, you know, like the whole idea of uh, Demeter, wouldn't produce food for us anymore? Or let's just say the, the earth can but because of the complexity of our economic system, the food can't arrive at us. It's all being diverted to troops to go somewhere else or to feed people that we don't know, not coming into our neighborhoods. What happens then? So ayahuasca just 
Mother Ayahuasca just kept staring at me. And I was just like, well, what, what am I supposed to do about this? And she didn't even really answer the question. She just said, you understand hunger because you've fasted before. You've had the convenience and the luxury of being able to forego food for some kind of health performance peak technology inside yourself, right? You fast and your body just corrects itself. Okay, that's cool. What about when there's famine? meaning there is no food. You're not doing it based upon a luxury for your health. You're actually doing it because you can't eat and you don't know when you will eat next. Panic may actually change your fasting period. If you don't know when food's coming back, it changes things. So now I was like, okay, fair enough. But I think I'd be able to handle some hunger. I think that a lot of people will be able to handle some hunger. And Mother Ayahuasca said, do you realize that Famine brings panic and it brings very rash, sometimes violent decisions to people. You know anxiety. You've had it before. Your family may even get anxiety because of you. So everyone in your immediate surrounding has anxiety. But you can find one neighbor that's having a great day and there's no panic on the streets. But what about massive widespread panic because of no food? Do you know how to hold yourself in that emotional center? when everyone around you is panicking? These are questions that we have to ask ourselves. And I'm not saying we have to because it's definitely coming. I'm just saying, Tucker Carlson, your president, almost every news outlet, as well as dining magazines. The tasting table reports countries are heavily reliant on wheat from Russia and the Ukraine. Ongoing disruptions of wheat, vegetable oils, and fertilizer from the two agriculture-rich countries could eventually result in a host of food-related supply chain issues worldwide. It goes on to say, as Bloomberg observes, Hungary, Turkey, Argentina, Serbia, and Egypt have already threatened to limit grain exports. So now let's take a look at what Russell Brand is saying that poor people in the United States, the greatest country that any Western media has ever told you about before, are dealing with in terms of how they pay for food because they're not economically stable. Here's what Russell Brand has to say. War, plague, pandemics. There's no doubt that this is a difficult time to be alive. But the one thing we've drawn the line at is rich people harvesting the blood of the poor. What? No, okay, no, rich people are harvesting poor people's blood now. Indeed, in today's wretched economy where around 130 million Americans admit an inability to pay for basic needs like food, housing or healthcare, buying and selling blood is one of the few booming industries America has left. That's where it's got to, the stuff of life. Literal lifeblood has become a commodity now. So he's reporting that the blood market, selling your blood and plasma is actually beating corn and soy. And it's interesting that people who are poor in this country are probably more so selling their blood and plasma to prepare for what they maybe see coming, or maybe they don't see anything coming, but this is how they have to survive in the way that our economic world is turning. With that, we need to ask ourselves something deeper. Joe Biden is talking about not just a dark winter and it's going to be, you know, really dark, difficult period for us. But he's saying it's going to get real with food shortages. And then he goes on to say some stuff about the New World Order. I'm sure you heard about that because everyone reported about that. But then at the end of it, 
he says something interesting that reminds me of the fourth turning. You know, we are at an inflection point, I believe, in the world economy. Not just the world economy, in the world. It occurs every three or four generations. As one of, as the, uh, one of the top military people said to me in a secure meeting the other day, 60, 60 million people died between 1900 and 1946. And uh, since then, we established a liberal world order, and that hadn't happened in a long while. A lot of people died, but nowhere near the chaos. And now is a time when things are shifting. We're gonna, there's going to be a new world order out there. That's right. He's totally right. Every four generations, there's this pattern. It's called the fourth turning. And wait a minute. Is that the fourth turning book on Russell Brand's bookshelf behind him? Yes, it is. This was a book put out in 1997 talking about the next crisis period that would probably happen sometime around 2005. Okay. They said give or take a few years. Well, in 2008, the housing bubble started. You've heard me talk about this before, but basically that book on Russell Brand's shelf, that concept that Joe Biden is talking about is basically talking about crisis periods that happen every four generations or so, maybe 80 to 90 years. And when that happens, a lot of things that felt stable in the previous 60 years for this 15 to 20 year period go into turmoil. They start feeling this massive upheaval and a lot of things like the economic system, like the stability of a country, like the stability of people being able to feed their families goes into a big, big, big old category with a question mark put over it. We just don't know what happens as of that point. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is not to scare you. It really isn't. And it's also not just to turn you into a prepper. It's to help you find that center. What are you going to do emotionally as Mother Ayahuasca was trying to prepare me for, what are you going to do emotionally when you're not just hungry because you're fasting, but all those stories of food shortages jump off the screen and they're actually in every single store around you? What are you going to do? How are you going to keep your center? Are you growing food in the backyard? If you aren't, maybe you should. But even if you are, do you feel safe that no neighbor is going to come by and steal your food because they're feeling the food shortages before you and you didn't even realize it? Are you worried that maybe you didn't buy enough survival food? Have you not bought any? Do you not have the money for it? I'm asking you these questions not to make you feel like you're in checkmate. I'm asking you these questions because first you must find your center. Then you approach the actual real-world situation that we all seem to be facing, potential food shortages. Because I will tell you, most people have some agency. They have the ability to do something, right? You have the ability to make some choices to prepare yourself for potential futures that your president and just about every news outlet is telling you about, such as food shortages. You can do something. But why are most people not? Oh, it's the distractions, the distractions, the distractions. Like Will Smith smacking Chris Rock across the face. That seems like today it's more priority than food shortages. But I want to let it all come into crystal clear focus with Stephen Hughes. He's an Australian comedian that in this awesome bit that he did, he really wraps up into a nice little metaphor 
exactly the kind of distractions that we focus on that are trending that other people are talking about that keep us from focusing on the things that really if they hit the fan you're going to be wondering not just where your diapers are but where your next meal is going to come from let's check out stephen hughes talking about how we distract ourselves from monumental catastrophe looming ahead in Scandinavia, no hotel in fucking Sweden I've been to in the last year. No, it's all non-smoking. No, 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 because it's a secondary smoke, isn't it? It's a secondary smoke. Yeah, it's, it's what we should be worried about. It's very... You know, because, you know, scientists, experts and researchers have done, you know, research and discovered that secondary smoke... It's a very big issue for me, I think, about the, the future of the human race and what's happening in the world today. Secondary smoke's a real issue for me. Secondary smoke. I'm not, I'm not particularly worried about the fact that Recently, the two most powerful nations illegally invaded a Middle East country under false pretenses so that it could steal their natural resources and implement permanent military bases to start more theatres of conflict so that it could implement a third world war to create a planetary fascist police state. It's secondary smoke that is... It's a real problem for me. You know. Because... You know, sometimes when you go out, your clothes get smelly, don't they? And then you have... Then you have to wash them when you get back. <laughs> I mean, that's a real chore for my existence, you know. I'm worried about I'm not worried about the fact that the World Bank or the IMF go into third world countries, put them into unfathomable debt so it can steal their natural resources, destroy the culture and implement them into the global banking system. It's secondary smoke. That's... Because it's everywhere. And, you know, I didn't choose to smoke and I could be affected. <laughs> I love this guy. Max Egan turned me on to Stephen Hughes and he's just incredible. This clip explains a lot. It really does says it all. The whole idea of secondary smoke and not worrying about how other countries are being overthrown, their entire systems being put into turmoil for what? The economic gain of our country? And now we're dealing with all the Middle East stuff, all the Ukraine stuff, all this stuff that Stephen Hughes was talking about wasn't disconnected from what's happening today. The United States has been the bully on the playground for quite some time. And now Russia, China, other countries, they're like, I'm tired of the unipolar world where the United States is the only superpower. Now we're getting to the point where you have to hear all the rhetoric in the United States that China is bad for you. Russia is bad for you. They're all bad for you. Why? Because they're getting as powerful as we are. Their economies are growing. Their militaries are growing. I think beneath all of this rhetoric, what we're really talking about is the need for community. But we seem to be hell-bent on focusing on all these other culturally trending issues when our refrigerator and our dining table might be the next casualty to get hit, if you will. So with all that being said, I speak about this so we can go on this emotional roller coaster together. So we don't become reactionary, we become responsive. That when the worst case scenario does hit, we can actually jump into action in ways that are intelligently thought through. You need community. You might want to buy some seeds. Maybe if you have some money, go out and buy some storage food. Food that has shelf life, that can sit around for quite some time. Store it well so mice can't get to it so it doesn't get wet and mold doesn't happen on it and look at the dates on it so it doesn't perish next week even though you need it for three months from now 
really start to take things into your own hand and you'll come to realize that this isn't a situation that's here to screw you over. Beneath the boogeyman that all the news outlets are sharing with you, there is a teacher. And that teacher wishes to show you food has never been fully secure. You've never had ultimate securities based upon all the stories on the news saying you saying that the economy is fine, you're going to be fine, don't worry about it. And then all of a sudden, oh, didn't see that pandemic coming, didn't know Russia was going to you know, do this military operation in Ukraine. And now all of a sudden gas prices are going through the roof, supply chain shortages and talk of food shortages within the year. If you're not thinking about this, if you're not wondering who your tribe is, where your community is, what you would do if you had to go with even two weeks without food. Mind you, it's not a two-week fast where you can just chill knowing that at any moment you can break your fast and go eating. I'm talking about two weeks without food because there's no choice and you're also worried about your neighbors thinking that you might have some food. So you have to protect your family. Do you have weapons? Are you just going to go and talk? It out, try and talk them down because their kids are starving and they want to kill you because they think that up in your attic you might actually have some food. I'm not doing this to scare you, but I'm doing this to show you that reality itself may have some tricks up its sleeves that will scare you anyway. So if you think about it first, if you intelligently put yourself into this scenario, you might come to realize that what you've always wanted, full independence, agency, a center, peace in the face of anything that the world can throw at you. You have community, you have some seeds just in case, and you prepared yourself here and there with first aid kits and water filtration systems, whatever. Go over to benjosephstewart.com. In the deeper dive, all the exclusive content that I have for paying members, I'm going to talk about the psychological obstacles that we put in our own way that keep us from making decisions that would actually very well put us in a better place than watching Will Smith slap Chris Rock across the face. All these distractions, they're not really getting you anywhere. If we can be honest about what these distractions are, if we can be honest about what may come to pass this very year in this very country, if you can put down all the rhetoric that this is the greatest country and we're too big to fail, and realize that something monumental is happening across the globe right now called the fourth turning or a crisis period, then you'll come to realize that you do have time, you do have family, you do have community. But if you're not doing anything about it now, then you're going to have to do it in a scared reactionary state later. Let's not do that to yourselves, your family, your community, or the world. Let's show that we actually have come far enough in civilization with all the education and all the information at our fingertips that we know how to deal with two weeks without food. That being said, I love you all, and I'll catch you all next time on Waking Infinity News.